You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome to the breakfast show, The Voice of Islam, with uh, Imam Taqir, Tanweer Taqir, Imam Farid Ahmed, and myself, Farid Ahmed. The time is uh, three minutes past seven. It's Friday, the 4th of November, 2022. As always, we have a very packed program this morning on The Breakfast Show. It's an interactive broadcast. It means so listeners have the opportunity to join in any of the discussions they may wish to. All you need to do uh, is uh, to pick up the phone and dial 0208-687-7878. Or you can use a more modern method of uh, tweeting. Uh, the Twitter handle is Voice of Islam UK. Uh, in a few minutes' time, uh, we'll begin uh, with a rundown of the weather uh, from uh, Imam Farid Ahmed. Uh, after that, we'll be examining some of the news stories that are doing the rounds these days. won't be spending too many uh, minutes on each, trying to rattle through as many as possible during the first half hour. And if you have uh, anything to share with us, anything to say regarding anything that we may be covering during the course of the program, then as I mentioned before, uh, all you need to do is pick up the phone, 0208-687-7878 is the number, uh, or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Now, those familiar with the uh, broadcast will know that uh, we have two main topics that uh, we hone in on uh, during the course of the program. Uh, the first is a topic um, that relates to a dramatic happening that took place 100 years ago with consequences that are still, to some extent, being felt to this day. Uh, two prophets and a century-old prayer deal. That's the title of the first main topic. Uh, it reviews the confrontation of claimants to prophethood in the Western Hemisphere with one in the Eastern Hemisphere. Uh, we'll be reviewing this uh, with attorney at law, Asif Arif, who is a foreign legal consultant in Los Angeles. We also spoke to uh, Honourable Joyce Mason and uh, Mr. Amjad Mahmood Khan. Uh, Ms. Mason is an Illinois state representative, and Mr. Amjad Khan is a, an assistant prof- professor of uh, law at UCLA and co-founder of GLR Refugees, uh, as well as president of the Amdi Muslim uh, um, Law Association in the United States. Uh, So we'll be discussing this subject between 7.30 and 8.15, possibly extending it to 8.30. So do make sure you're tuned in during these times if you are interested in that particular item. Uh, And as I mentioned, if you want to share your thoughts, then 0208-687-7878 is the number. Uh, Moving on to the second main topic, it is one that looks uh, at the life of the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, the title of this topic, quite simply, is Holy Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him. Uh, we'll be addressing this uh, from around 8.15, possibly 8.30 onwards. Um, and um, uh, it is something that we'll try and do uh, as much as possible on during that slot. Lots to cover, lots to do. And as always, we shall have a full review of the Islamic angle to everything we discuss from both Imams, uh, Farid Ahmed and uh, Tanweer. So as I mentioned, we will have uh, the um, uh, 
uh, weather to kick us off uh, before we go on to the uh, news stories. So without further ado, let me pass the mic on to Imam Farid Ahmed. Over to you, sir. Assalamu alaikum. So, through the showers will clear the southeast early this morning. Many will then have a dry and fine day with lots of sunshine, although a few scattered showers will move into northwest at times. Tonight, tonight will start dry and clear for most, but northern Scotland will see lingering showers. A band of rain will move across northern Ireland, southwest England and Wales through the early hours. Okay, thank you very much. So it's going to be wet. Yes? Uh, it is, as it seems. Uh, right. Um, right, as far as news stories are concerned, uh, I steered away from uh, the uh, normal political ones. Um, health uh, is also something that's quite important. Uh, and one um, quite uh, alarming, or should I say, um, a news story that is a uh, cause for concern is regarding diabetes. Um, diabetes cases uh, have soared, according to one report, uh, amidst all our health scares. It has been revealed that a record number of people under 40 have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Uh, diabetes UK, this is a charity that focuses its attention on uh, that particular ailment, it has reported that cases of type 2 diabetes have increased by 23% in just the last five years and at a faster rate among those under 40 than in older age groups. Uh, they are now uh, at a record of uh, 148,000 people in the UK under 40 with the disease. Much of this is invariably due to poor eating habits and an increase in our sugar intake. The um, uh, charity Diabetes UK is uh, collaborating with uh, a famous um, um, store outlet, Tesco, to provide free in-store pharmacy checks and support at 373 supermarkets. That's according to the Times. It reported that um, a couple of days ago. Uh, while this will no doubt help monitor the disease, it will not assist in its prevention that the Diabetes UK Tesco partnership hopes to achieve by offering an online risk assessment to all. Uh, Jason Terry, chief executive of Tesco, said uh, type 2 diabetes is one of the most common health conditions we face in the UK, but the reality is that many cases could be prevented or delayed, and we know that a healthy diet is one of the ways to reduce your risk. Next time you're in store, try out uh, one of the healthy, budget-friendly recipes we've created. This is uh, the chief executive of Tesco speaking, and he says that reducing your risk of type 2 diabetes is doable and affordable with the right support, and a few simple changes can make a big difference. Uh, uh, so that's the end of uh, the quote from uh, Jason Terry. Uh, Chief Executive of Tesco. Um, Social deprivation involving uh, poverty and poor housing have been identified as as among uh, the factors in this rise. And the cost of living crisis is making it harder for people to cook healthy meals, increasing the risk of developing the the ailment. Symptoms of type 2 diabetes include uh, urinating more frequently, feeling thirsty all the time, feeling exhausted, and having blurred vision. Uh, nearly 5 million people have diabetes in the UK. The NHS spends £10 billion a year on its treatment, uh, which is about 10% of the entire budget. 
So it's um, a warning uh, shot there for Khudam, uh, basically. People under 40, uh, men under 40, we refer to as Khudam under 40, that there is this looming threat on the horizon and they uh, need to be more careful. I think it's uh, the fact that there's uh, so much easy access to um, fast food that may also be a factor. It hasn't been mentioned, but that may be the case as well. Uh, another um, uh, health story that uh, the Times was reporting on uh, during uh, this week was regarding, uh, well, uh, snoring and sleeplessness. Apparently, it can increase your risk to blindness. It's a strange connection, but uh, according to a study published in the BMJ, uh, it was conducted at the University of Sichuan, um, research-based uh, on more than 400,000 people in the UK found a 10% higher risk of glaucoma among people who snored and experienced daytime sleep, uh, sleeplessness or daytime sleepiness compared to those with healthier sleep patterns. Uh, glaucoma, in case um, you don't know, is a condition where the optic nerve uh, which connects the eye to the brain becomes damaged and it is the leading cause of blindness in the UK. Uh, critics contend now that this study is not um, uh, fully accepted by the uh, academic fraternity it's entire, in its entirety. Uh, critics say that since the study was observational, they could not prove a causal link between poor sleep and glaucoma. It is possible, it is argued, that glaucoma influences sleep and leads to sleeplessness uh, or snoring rather than the other way around. Researchers have argued, though, that there are plausible explanations that support their findings. For example, pressure in the eye rises when a person is lying down and uh, when uh, sleep hormones are out of kilter. Um, so that's uh, what the defenders of this uh, finding are saying. And uh, they're saying that depression and anxiety, often reported by insomniacs, may increase eye pressure through the stress hormone cortisol. A further sleep apnea, where an individual stops breathing during sleep, might directly damage the optic nerve by depleting oxygen. So um, the research is interesting, but it, ha it has been a source of some controversy as well. So snoring and sleeplessness and sleepiness during the day may may be connected uh, to an increased risk to blindness according to this story. Right, and uh, moving on to something a bit more political. Uh, now, terrorist attack on asylum seekers. So this is being uh, questioned after Andrew Leake uh, with far-right sympathies, draw, uh, drove 160 miles from his home at Woodbourne, Woodburn Green near High Wycombe and threw three petrol bombs at a migrant processing centre before killing himself last Sunday morning. Uh, two people suffered minor injuries. Witnesses said that Leek was laughing as he threw the incendiary devices at the Western Jetfoil Asylum Processing Center. Counter-terrorism officer said that he had most probably been driven by some form of hate-filled grievance, but had acted alone. Investigation has revealed he had extremist 
far-right tendencies posting anti-Islamic messages as well and accusing all Muslims of improprieties against women and children. Uh, in November, which uh, has been designated as Islamophobia Awareness Month, this kind of action gives us cause for concern. don't know what your thoughts are on this. If you do have any then to please uh, take uh, the time to share them with us. Uh, the number is 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, Islam alaikum, uh, um, how are you today? Uh, Farid Saab is not uh, very optimistic about the weather. He's just told us it's going to be very wet. Mm, I, but that's, I suppose, expected, isn't it? I, I it's think not his fault. I, I think Imam Farid is a little under the weather because uh, of how Pakistan is also playing in the T, T20 World Cup. Uh-huh. Uh, so just yesterday, um, they played against South Africa and they and they beat South Africa uh-huh. um, with a very big margin, actually. But uh, their chances of qualifying for the semifinals mm-hmm. is very... Uh, very much narrow um, uh-huh. as uh, India is at the top uh, with six points uh-huh. um, then you have South Africa who are with five points and then Pakistan is following in third place with four points so uh, ultimately for Pakistan to now qualify um, for, for the semi-finals uh, to my understanding is if they beat the next team and <laughs> South Africa also has to lose the next game. Um, and uh, Who's South Africa's uh, so, uh Correct me if, if I'm wrong, Fareed. I, I believe they're going to be playing next against uh, Zimbabwe, uh, the the next I match. Think it's Netherlands. Ne- sorry, ne- Netherlands. Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're going to be uh, playing against Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, How uh, good are the Netherlands? Netherlands, they're 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 okay. Are they as good as the Irish? <laughs> uh, I I the, the thing is, the uh, Netherlands is uh, lo- at the bo- one of the bo- at the bottom oh, of the of okay. the table. All right. So um, <laughs> what what it shows, if you look at it on paper, it shows that South Africa can beat the Netherlands. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, we sh- we shall see. We shall oh, see okay. how things unfold uh, but uh, at the moment it's the chances of Pakistan qualifying are looking very bleak so uh, from what you're saying who's likely to qualify you're saying that is is England also in the in the frame so this is the this this two groups and uh, this is group one and mm-hmm. from group one uh, you have um, India who's at the top and mm-hmm. then South Africa uh, okay. who are qualifying uh, I'm not sure about the other group. You, 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 you would know who was qualified. There's three Australia. contenders over there: uh-huh. Australia, New Zealand, and in England. Ah, as okay. far as I know. All right. Okay. Okay. And when is the final? So, I mean, it's happening in uh, Australia. The the matches. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, th- I mean, it's the last few days anyway, and it will be the semi-finals after that. Okay. Um, yeah, but still we are in the group stage, so right. It's not it's mid November, is it the seventeenth of two weeks from now? Okay, it should right. be around two weeks from now. Uh-huh. Okay, right. Um, I don't know whether there's any other stories that you have. Uh, is there anything that you want to mention regarding the um, events taking place in the Ambia um, Muslim community itself? Um, yes. Uh, so I mean th- this. 
particularly uh, in this uh, regarding this uh, we are looking at uh, his holiness zamzam surah may Allah strengthen his hand uh, his recent tour of america which he has done and uh, this is something which we'll be looking at in more detail um, in our first segment and uh, we'll be listening to asif arif uh, who is an attorney um, and admitted to paris bar uh, foreign legal consultant uh, from los angeles so we'll be listening to him um, we'll also be listening to joyce mason who is the illinois state representative um, w- followed by amjad mahmood khan sub and he is the spokesman of the Hamdiya Muslim Community UK. So very interesting interviews. Uh, so I conducted the interview mm-hmm. with the uh, uh, respected Amjad Mahmood yesterday. And uh, it was very, very interesting. Uh, oh, okay. Very interesting. And it talks about um, the inauguration of the of the Fateh Azim Mosque. Now, the, the name Fateh Azim, it means uh, the grand victory. Um, and uh, we will listen to it more in detail as to why uh, it was named Fateh Azim and the whole story behind it and the prayer duel between the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the MD Muslim community and uh, the opponent at that time, uh, Dr. John uh, Alexander Dawi. Uh, so there's something uh, which you know I'm, I'm looking forward to and hopefully yeah. our listeners will be looking forward to as well um one one particular news item uh, brother Walid, you mm. must have uh, looked at this as well the uh, Im- imran khan the prime minister yes. who was who was uh, attacked yes. uh, the ex prime minister um and um, this is obviously a very major news um, all over the world and uh, bbc has also covered it and uh, they have said that a a gun attack on Pakistan's foreign Prime Minister Imran Khan, uh, which support supporters say was an attempted assassination, has drawn international condemnation. So Mr. Khan, who is 70, is recovering in hospital after being shot in the leg on Thursday at a protest march in Wazirabad in the northeast of the country. So his camp said that he was in a stable condition and could potentially leave hospital in the coming days. So one person was killed and at least 10 injured when his convoy faced gunfire. So the attack on Mr. Khan was uh, electrified uh, the country and Mr. Khan's party, the Pakistan Tehreek uh, Saf, the PTI, has called for a nationwide protest after Friday prayers. And schools have been closed in the capital Islamabad. So Pakistan's leader have condemned the attack on their opponent, uh, with President Arif Alvi calling it a heinous association attempt, and the Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif ordering an immediate investigation. And the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony uh, Blinken has also called for calm, uh, saying that the violence has no place in politics and we call on all parties to refrain from violence harassment and intimidation so the mm. cricket star turned uh, politician remains a popular amongst voters uh, but was outstanded in april in parliamentary vote and he has since been fighting to return to office uh, buoyed by strong pti victories in recent local elections mr khan has been leading a long march of protests calling for 
early elections to facilitate his comeback and he has char- characterized his removal as a political conspiracy and has been loudly critical for months of the gov- current government and military leaders and courts have uh, convicted him in recent corruption cases uh, but he has disputed the verdicts as uh, politically motivated so um, mm. obviously th- this isn't the only uh, attack um, you know on a prime minister in Pakistan this has happened before as well um, you must have remembered the former prime minister Benazir Bhutto she was an assassinated in 2007 um, and uh, you know many have invoked her killing in the wake of the attack on Mr Khan so this is something which uh, which needs to be looked at um and you know for for a next prime minister uh, an attempted assassination it is uh, it is very alarming i think for yeah. the whole of pakistan yeah certainly is yes okay um let's go on to some of the other stories that are uh, well there there is the election in brazil um yar uh, bolsonaro referred to as trump of the tropics due to his political st- uh, style lost a narrowly contested election and was feared to dispute the uh, the verdict however after uh, two days of silence he stated he would obey the constitution and his chief of staff later said that a transition of power would indeed take place i have always played uh, played within the boundaries of the constitution claimed uh, mr bolsonaro uh, he also had a message for the many supporters of his who organized roadblocks and uh, had paralyzed much of the nation uh, since the weekend he said peaceful demonstrations will always be welcome but criticized behavior that restricted the right to come and go the election result gave uh, lula his opponent 50.9% of the vote to bolsonaro's 49.1% so it was quite close Uh, it's been the narrowest victory since Brazil ended two de- decades of military rule in 1985. It is the first time a Brazilian president has been voted out of office. Uh, environmentalists have breathed a sigh of relief at Bolsonaro's uh, exit since his policies led to large-scale uh, deforestation of uh, the Amazon uh, several acres a day, which is what was being reported, so quite alarming at the time that was taking place um one other story that actually caught my eyes regarding spiders i don't know if you're scared of spiders uh and then uh, well this is not for you is regarding the tarantula capital of the world and the city of uh, la junta in colorado is aiming to be the tarantula capital of the world uh, the tarantula uh, is much feared for its uh, painful bite, but uh, apparently it's not lethal. Uh, the uh, city, uh, La Junta, uh, cites its credentials for the title since uh, uh, each autumn, uh, hordes of the arachnids leave their burrows and roam the prairies of southeastern Colorado uh, in search of a mate, bringing wildlife enthusiasts out in force. Uh, it's a season when thousands of them crawl across the town's fields and roads. Adults can grow to an average of five inches long. 
my co-worker in the library has an, a special affinity for uh, spiders. I don't know whether uh, my co-workers here have, but uh, he says that when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was migrating to Medina, he had to hide in a cave to escape his enemies who were bent on killing him. At that time, a spider is said to have woven a web at the entrance of the cave, and a bird had uh, laid its eggs. When those enemies got to the mouth of the cave, they did not bother to look inside where the prophet and his companion were hiding, thinking that they had they entered the cave, then the eggs would have perished and the web would have been disturbed. Since both were intact, they could not be inside. As a result, Allah enabled the activity of the spider to save the holy prophet from capture. Hence, he has a special, there is a special affinity uh, for uh, spiders among some, including that co-worker I was mentioning earlier. But uh, be that as it may, uh, my mother is petrified of spiders. I don't know whether you are, uh, and I don't like them much either. Although my wife doesn't bat an eyelid. I mean, if a spider comes, it has to be dealt with. She disposes of it without any problem. They're made of tougher stuff than I am. Actually, when it comes to spiders, uh, they there's a lot of other insects they, they get rid of. Uh-huh. Like flies and yes. and other creepy crawlies, mm. um, you know that they're sort of more annoying than uh, maybe a spider. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very fascinating how a spider actually cobs is its home um, and how it looks after it. Uh, I mean, the intricacy behind it is absolutely amazing. And uh, even I I remember reading the the fourth caliph Azimzatayramat me. May Allah strength have mercy on him. He has written also about this in his book, um, Revelation, Rationality, Truth and Knowledge. Uh, I mean, it is very fascinating. And uh, he discusses the whole idea of evolution that uh, Charles Darwin's theory, his theory is that, well, uh, everything itself uh Evolved during time, mm, natural um, selection, natural selection. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and his holiness on the other side, he he ta- says that well, uh, if we look at some animals, like for example, his theory was Charles Darwin's theory is that uh, humans uh, we've evolved from apes, and uh, the fourth caliphy explains that well, um, you know, if you look at some of these particular animals, like for example, the polar bear. The 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 certain features it has are very ideal to what we see today, and for it to have involved in a very cold climate, they would have been uh, fossils we which would have shown that transition. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't see that transition. So he he highlights that every animal has these particular features that were given to to the animal by God Almighty Himself from the very beginning and he also talks about looking at insects and he looks at spiders and there is so that that is also a read mm. if uh, if any of our listeners are interested okay now well, thank you for that um i think uh, it's uh, time that uh, we moved on unless you've got a pressing story to share with us uh, no uh, have you have anything that you want to share with us in terms of stories that caught your eye before we move on, no, are you ready to go for with the first uh, item on our yeah. uh, main stories? I think that's yes? right. Yeah. Okay, so it's about two prophets and a century-old prayer deal. So what's it about? Oh yeah, so the topic today is two prophets and a century-old prayer deal. Now the story is that 
holy miracle happened in Zion 115 years ago or so millions of Ahmadis, Ahmadi Muslims rather, around the world believe. The Ahmadis view this small sized city 40 miles north of Chicago on the shores of Lake Michigan as a place of special religious significance for their global messianic faith. Their reverence for the community began more than a century ago with fighting words, a prayer duel and a prophecy. Zion was founded in 1900 as a Christian theocracy by John Alexander Dowie, an evangelical and early Pentecostal preacher who drew thousands to the city with his faith healing ministry. The Ahmadis believe their founder, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, defended the faith from Dawi's verbal attacks against Islam and defeated him in a sensational face-off armed only with prayers. Most current residents may not have an may not have an inkling of that high state's holy fight of a bygone era, but for the Ahmadis, it is one of one that has created an eternal bond with the city of Zion. At the beginning of the last month, thousands of Ahmadi Muslims from around the world congregated in the city to celebrate a, a century-old miracle and a significant milestone in the life of Zion and of his, and of their faith the building of this city's first uh, first mosque and uh, about Dawi a bit of you can say introduction that he was from Scotland and he was born in 1847 his family migrated to Australia in 1860 where he was ordained and became pastor of a church Dawi left Australia Australia in 1888 for the United States, where he grew in popularity with his healing ministry. With money accumulated from the faithful, Davi bought 6,000 acres of land in Lake City, Illinois, hoping to establish a Christian utopia. Davi's law forbade gambling, theaters, circuses, alcohol, tobacco. He also banned swearing, spitting, dancing, pork, oysters, and tan-colored shoes. Whistling on Sunday was punishable by uh, jail time. The massive 800-seat tabernacle built in 1900 became Zion's religious center. It was there that Dawi appeared with his flowing white beard wrapped in brightly embroidered garments of an Old Testament high priest and declared himself as the Elijah the Restorer. While he welcomed black people and immigrants into Zion, Dawi had harsh words for political, medical, doctors and Muslims, which he expressed in his journal. In 1902, Dawi wrote, This is my job to gather people from the East and the West, North and the South, and in inhibit Christians in Zion City as well as other cities until the day comes when Mohammedan religion is totally wiped out of this world, O oh God, show us the day. In his, in his palms of a certain of a recent, uh, you can say, 
September Day, Tahir Ahmed Sufi, President of Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, Zion Chapter, Cradled and, crumble, and Crumbling Yellow Newspaper from the 19, 1900s, bearing Dawi's image. Dawi is a part of our history too, said Sufi, as he arranged these relics in glass display that will become part of the new mosque's museum. The community has named the mosque Fateh Azim, which means a great victory in Arabic. When Ahmed, the religion's founder, who lived in Qadian, India, heard about Dawi's angry proclamations against Muslims, he urged him to stop, Sufi said. <coughs> Ahmadis believe that their founder, who was born in 1835, was a promised reformer and the prophet uh, former the Prophet Muhammad predicted and the metaphorical second coming of Jesus Christ. Sufi said when Dawi ignored Ahmad's pleas in 1902, he challenged Zion's founder to a prayer duel. In the New York Times and the other U.S. publications at the time, this challenge was built up as a battle between the two messiahs. To ascertain who was the true prophet and which was the true religion, Ahmed asserted in writings that whoever is a liar may perish first. So Dawi refused to acknowledge Ahmed's challenge and scoffed at his statements that Jesus was human, survived the crucifixion and lived out the rest of his life in Kashmir. He shot back, writing, Do you think that I should answer to these gnats and flies? In the following years, Dawi, Dawi's fortunes began to fade. In 1905, one of his top lieutenants, Wilbur, took over leadership of the church after Dawi was accused of extravagance and misusing instruments. Dawi's health suffered thereafter. He died in 1907 after a paralytic stroke at the age of 60, while Ahmed, may peace be upon him, died in a year after Dawi passed away, at the age of 73, his followers saw Dawi's downfall and death as a great victory for their founder and faith. For Ahmadis worldwide, the result of the prayer duel reaffirmed the truth of their Messiah's claim, said Amjad Mahmood Khan, U.S. spokesperson for Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It's a story Ahmadi children grew up hearing at home and in their mosques worldwide. Whether you talk to an Ahmadi Muslim in Miami, Maine, South Dakota or Seattle, they will know that the story and what a great victory it was, Khan said. Adding that it didn't mean they exult in Dawi's demise, it's the triumph of Islam stands for in the face of these allegations. And it's about the victory of prayers over prejudice. Mm. Thank you. So we'll be speaking to, oh, well, we did speak to um, Amjad uh, before, uh, and we'll be sharing uh, what he had to say. Um, from what uh, uh, Imam Tawkeet and we uh, were saying earlier, it's uh, supposed to be a very interesting exchange. So we have with us today at the Voice of Islam radio station, Respected, Amjad Mahmood Khan, and you are the president of the Hamdiya Muslim Lawyers Association in USA, and you are also the spokesperson of Hamdiya Community USA. 
Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us today at the Voice of Islam radio station. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Now, for this segment, we're looking at uh, beloved Azur, His Holiness, Azamizah Masoor Ahmed. May Allah strengthen his hand, his recent tour to USA and the inauguration of uh, the two mosques that that took place, the Fatih Azim and the Baitul Ikram. Now, particularly in this segment, we're looking at His Holiness and his inauguration of the Fatih Azim Mosque. So to start off, for the benefit of our listeners, if you can please explain the significance and importance of building mosques and particularly the Fatih Azim Mosque, how do they serve as a symbol of peace for the wider society? Yes, indeed. Uh, we know that building a mosque is an immense blessing. It creates and uh, and magnifies blessings in the community. Um, this is a mosque uh, that was built um, in the outskirts of Illinois in a very, um, you can say, relatively remote town of Zion, Illinois, about an hour or so from the main city of Chicago. It's a town of only 25,000 people. Uh, this mosque, Fatih Azim, which means a great victory, um, has tremendous significance uh, for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, and also for the broader community uh, in Lake County and that region. The significance of building a mosque is, of course, to create the immediate, to fill the immediate need, which is of having a house of worship for the Jamaat there. The Jamaat is about 150 people, um, but there's, uh, you know, surrounding communities as well. And there wasn't a formal mosque, uh, official mosque at all in Zion. There was a mission house, but it was um, getting very small. Um, but this mosque, mashallah, sits on uh, a 10-acre parcel of land, about three acres of developed land. And mashallah, it's a tremendously beautiful um purpose-built mosque that took several years to build and roughly $5 million of individuals donating money from all over the world. And um, it is now standing in the corner of uh, a busy intersection in Zion, and it's the first mosque in the city. So it is of historical significance. And of course, it has uh, amazing significance when, when we understand the history of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and particularly how the founder of the community had uh, famously challenged the founder of Zion, Dr. John Alexander Dewey, to a prayer duel, and uh, of course had proven to be victorious in this prayer duel when John Alexander Dewey did not stop his Islamophobia and his vitriol for the Prophet of Islam, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace be upon him, and ultimately built a city based on hate. But this mosque uh, was inaugurated as as um, a great victory of prayer over prejudice and a beacon of peace, and we were just overjoyed and honored to have with us Hazrat Amir al-Mu'mineen, the world head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, to travel all the way from the UK to inaugurate this mosque. MashaAllah, um, fantastic. And also, uh, after the inauguration of the mosque, there was also the reception uh, with the with the community, I, I wanted to uh, ask you with regards to the that event in particular. How w- widely was was this published, and do you think it is an important or uh, important for such events to be widely widely published? Yes, indeed. I think this inauguration of Fateh Azim Mosque was the most covered 
and the most um, externally um, viewed mosque inauguration in the history of the U.S. Jamaat in America. Um, it was that significant. Uh, there were millions of people who uh, tuned in to view this inauguration from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community because it was broadcast on MTA, which was itself rare. Um, but secondarily, this was uh, a mosque inauguration that had a lot of excitement built in it because it took several years to build the mosque. And we had thousands of people from all over America gather in this small town. And on top of that, we had hundreds of uh, neighbors and uh, community members all over Zion in a very significant set of uh, officials, um, basically most of the city council, the mayor of the city, county officials, members of law enforcement, federal officials, teachers, uh, you know, uh, diplomats, scholars uh, from all over the country actually uh, had convened uh, for this inauguration on October 1st. And um, the, the coverage of the event was also very significant. The Associated Press, which, uh, as you well know, and as your audience knows, it has a readership, has a, a, a readership or a viewership of half the world. It's the largest news outlet in the world. Um, they ran a very feature-length story about this mosque inauguration, but particularly about the history of the prayer duel between the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and John Alexander Dowie. And that was syndicated in 412 outlets with 17.7 million readership. Um, and then on top of that, we had several other news stories about this religion news service, which is a very significant outlet, has millions of, of, of uh, uh, viewers and readers, uh, did a very significant piece on this. And then Chicago Tribune, which is the largest newspaper in the area, one of the largest newspapers in America, did a feature length presentation covering His Holiness's speech. So this was a, a tremendously important event and one that we will always remember. No, certainly. Um, you know, being a, a, a viewer and listening to the inauguration address of His Holiness and also um, other speakers, it was very uh, awe-inspiring uh, for all of us. Um, now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the history of the MDA Muslim community in Zion. Um, also the building of the mosque and the role that the women uh, had played. If you can uh, tell us a bit about this as well. Well, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Zion has roots that go back, you know, well over 50 years. And um, it's, a, it's a community that was uh, uh, largely consisted of African-American Ahmadis um, in uh, the Waukegan area, which is not too far away, maybe 8 to 10 miles away in Lake County as well. And uh, there used to be a Waukegan Jamaat, which was almost entirely consisting of African-American Amadis. Then there were some immigrants who came into the area. And um, what's really beautiful about this Jamaat, and it's not a very large Jamaat, but most of the people have moved into that Jamaat because of their love of this grand sign and prophecy of the founder of the Ambiya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, uh, when he challenged Dr. John Alexander Dowie, the founder of that city, and was, was victorious in that, in that prayer duel, to commemorate and to honor that grand sign, many families have moved into Zion because of their love for the, for, for the founder of the Ambiya Muslim community. And this includes many African-American families as well, including the national president, 
of the women's auxiliary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Sister Dia Bakar, who moved her family uh, to the area and has been there for a long time. And um, if you if you listen to the the stories and the voices of the African American Ahmadis of Zion, you will see such an immense love for the Jamaat, but also for this this prophecy. And to have a mosque there, they were just overjoyed. And and uh, something like you know almost thirty to forty percent of all of the donations collected for the mosque uh, were collected by Ahmadi women in America. And uh, this is also a significant first for the U.S. Jamaat. Uh, it's the first time that um, a purpose-built mosque had such a large contribution from Ahmadi women, although, of course, Ahmadi women have been generously donating to many mosques in America. But to have such a large contribution from Lejnai Maila USA, the official women's auxiliary, was, was quite significant. So I think that uh, this mosque has uh, just is tied to so many layers of blessings so many layers of historical significance. And then, of course, we had an exhibition to convey this history to all of our neighbors and to all the thousands of people who attended. And, of course, to have it all with the presence of His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand, was something that our, ourselves and our children will never forget. Um, and now, Brother Amjad, along with the mosque, the Fatih there is also a set-up exhibition if you could tell us a little bit about that and how were some of the materials and original copies obtained for this yes i had just mentioned about an exhibition and and then this was a very a unique aspect of the mosque that there is actually a purpose-built exhibition hall in the mosque facility which is also rare for a mosque facility of the Ahmadiyya muslim community to have a separate hall but it was it was designated because of this important historical milestone for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and um, there was an exhibition committee that had been set up a, a year, well over a year in advance. Anwar um, Mahmoud Khan Sahib was my father, um, who had been appointed as chair of that committee. Um, myself and a few others of us uh, were a part of the committee. We're humbly serving as part of that committee. Um, had worked on this exhibition, and, and this is not just something that was worked on for about a year. Actually, uh, the first exhibition in Zion took place in the year 2000. It was famously the Messiah 2000 conference, also attended by thousands of people in Kenosha, which is nearby Zion, and that commemorated uh, this, this history of the prayer duel and the fulfillment of the grand prophecy of the, of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and so at that time, there was a desire to create a, a, an exhibition that would showcase this history and explain this victory of prayer over prejudice. And uh, we did so in the year 2000. I remember it very fondly. I was a college student. Um, I know my father had been working on this for a long time. It's one of his passion projects for many decades. We grew up in a household where we talked frequently about this historical uh, incident of Dr. Alexander Dowie and what he stood for and how the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community vanquished this falsehood that he had peddled. And uh, we didn't have all the technology at our disposal to retrieve the immense newspaper coverage that was that, that ensued uh, in America and globally with respect to this prayer duel. It was one of the most well-documented and well-publicized events in American history, actually, at the turn of the century. Um, because there were uh, actually hundreds of newspapers 
that um, that covered the story. It went viral. Uh, this was, of course, when there was no internet or technology, but nevertheless, this, this story was all over the country, from Alaska to uh, Florida, from Maine to California, and everywhere in between. Hundreds of cities, hundreds of newspapers, every state, and then even other countries, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, Canada, parts of Europe, uh, publicized the challenge of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community to Dr. John Alexander Dowie because it was so unique. Here was a man who had built an empire with the equivalent worth of $800 million, $800 million in today's value. He had set up um, a, an infrastructure where he was, had thousands of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers. He um, had, had built a city that was built to exterminate Islam. He said, I would like to wipe out Islam from the face of the earth and to wipe out um, the, the legacy of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And he wasn't just anti-Islam, he was anti-Methodist, anti-Catholic, you know, anti-Mormon. He was anti-religion, religionists. He created a, a Christian Catholic church. It was to smash every other church in the area. So he created a new brand of Christianity, which was built upon, which he thought, which he said was built upon healing and prayers, but instead was built on hate and bigotry. And it was only the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, who defended Islam, defended Islam from this vitriol when no other Muslim was standing up. It was the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community who stood up with his pen, challenged Dowie in 1902 in November, and said that you should stop this, this calling for the general destruction of all Muslims. Instead, you should, you should uh, I invite you to a prayer challenge, a contest that whoever is, false in the eyes of God will perish first. And he was 12 years older, the, the founder of the Ambi Muslim community, and himself elderly. But ultimately, this challenge was not directly accepted by Dewey, but indirectly, he addressed uh, the founder of the Ambi Muslim community, saying things like, you know, this, this Muhammadan Messiah repeatedly tries to annoy me, and I can smash him like I can smash, um, you know, a fly I'm under so my shoe. Yeah, and it was just an amazing uh, storyline. And this was viral all over the U.S. And ultimately, uh, he perished. His, his entire empire crumbled dramatically. It was all over the New York Times, all over major papers. He went to Madison Square Garden. He was humiliated there. He lost uh, all his followers. Uh, he was essentially uh, you know, left in destitution. And we, we featured all of this history, which ended in the victory of great as Mirza Ghulam Ahmed was the headline where he foretold the end of Dowie, and this was in the Boston Herald in 1907. So we featured and uncovered, it took many, many years of research, but we uncovered 160 U.S. newspapers, and we put all of them in a database, in a touchscreen, a digital presentation, and then we gathered uh, rare artifacts, first uh, edition artifacts from all those major papers and other, uh, you know, artifacts of Dowie's time in the city. And we featured all of this in an exhibition, kind of a, a, an ode to the future by having a full digital presentation, but an ode to the past by having, you know, first edition artifacts. And by Allah's grace and mercy, it came together. Uh, it was a humble uh, offering by the committee. We tried our best to present this history in the limited time that we had. And it was a true honor and blessing to present it to the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Azad Mirza Masrur Ahmad, who, who spent uh, quite a bit of time reviewing the exhibition and enjoying all of the artifacts, which included the original coat, 
of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which was on display as well. And uh, thousands of Ahmadis really enjoyed it. And many, many guests, all of the guests who attended the inauguration uh, also went through the exhibition. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, uh, respected Amjad Mehmet Khan, sir. Uh, it's an honor having you today uh, and listening to you at the Voice of Islam radio station. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Um, for 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 our listeners, but uh, thank you so much once again for for joining us today. You're very welcome. Jazakallah for having me. Yes, so um, very amazing interview from uh, respected Amjad Mahmood, uh, who is a spokesman of the Amdiya Muslim community in USA. And uh, so here, what we see is on one side. Uh, Dr. John Alexander Dowie, who was a bitter enemy of Islam, you know, he he claimed to be, uh, he made a false claim to prophethood. Um, he spoke very ill of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he himself says that his mission was to wipe out Islam. And he himself, he writes in his newspaper, Leaves of Healing, dated the 19th of December 1903, and also in February the 14th, 1907, um, he says that I pray to God that the day may come when Islam will be annihilated from the world. Oh God, make it happen. Oh God, make Islam perish. So we see that he was a bitter enemy of Islam. And when his enmity reached its peak um, and as he continuously spoke ill against the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of God Almighty be upon him. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he challenged him to a prayer duel to a mobile that uh, both will pray to God and whoever is false will die in the lifespan of the truthful. And this challenge of the prayer duel attained great popularity around the world, not only in the Western world but around the globe. But he did not reply to this as he deemed this as something very insignificant. And he himself, he says that in India there is a Mohammedan Messiah who keeps writing to me that Jesus Christ lies buried in Kashmir. And people ask me, why do I send him the necessary reply? Do you think that I should answer to such gants and flies? That if I were to put my foot on them, I would crush them to death. The fact is that I merely give them a chance to fly away and survive. And this written in Leaves of Healing on the 27th of December 1903. And in another place he says um, in his paper on the 19th of December 1902, he writes that this is my job to gather people from the east and west, north and south, and inhabit Christians in this Zion city as well as others until the day comes when the Mohammedan religion is totally wiped out of this world. Oh God, show us the day. So this is what we see that he completely showed, uh, put aside this prayer duel and he did not, say, he did not uh, deem it uh, wise to answer the promised Messiah peace be upon him. And ultimately uh, in this prayer duel, it was the promised Messiah peace be upon him who triumphed and Dowie was disgraced. He was exposed as an embezzler of funds. He said to his people that our cause was forbidden, yet he himself 
was a drunkard and he was kicked out of Zion City uh, which he established himself after hundreds of thousands of dollars. He was deprived of six million dollars of his own money. His wife and son uh, turned against him. His father said that he was an illegitimate son and he had paralysis and ultimately he died in the first week of March in 1907. So this is that grand prophecy of uh, of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Um, and uh, that prophecy still continues today. Um, and we see that happening before our eyes when His Holiness uh, inaugurated the Fateh Azim Mosque. Um, and, you know, the great response that uh, uh, was received uh, just recently. So uh, after this, uh, we're going to be listening to Joyce Mason. Uh, but right now, we're just going to be going into the news. Uh, but we will be back after the 8 o'clock news. We'll be listening to Joyce Mason, as I mentioned. And uh, we'll also be listening to Asif Arif. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly after the news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to the breakfast show, the voice of Islam with uh, Imam Tawkeet and we, Imam Farid Ahmed and myself, Farid Ahmed. The time is two minutes past eight and it's Friday the 4th of November 2022. As mentioned before the break, we are going to be listening to the thoughts of uh, Joyce Mason uh, now. Uh, this is what she had to say when we spoke to her earlier. We are joined today by um, Illinois State Representative Joyce Mason. She's a full-time legislator, former vice president of the Gurney-based Woodland Community School District, um, state representative of the 61st District, and serves as the Agricultural Conservation Higher Education Committees. Welcome, Joyce, to the Voice of Islam Radio Breakfast Show. Oh, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you. Um, um, for the benefit of our listeners, could you tell us how your experience was at the opening of the mosque and why it was important for you? Oh, yes. Um, well, this mosque um, is in our community of Zion in my district, and um, it's just it's just beautiful. And it's really amazing. We've been watching the progress of it being built, and I had the honor of being able to um, be one of the people to lay the um, one of the foundation stones, and so um, you know, seeing it be built and seeing it be completed, and having um, come from all over the world to celebrate um, has been really incredible. You know, um, this mosque is a beacon of. I think the celebration of diversity in our community and also, you know, their motto in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is love for all, hatred for none. And um, they exemplify that every single day. And so I think it's not just going to serve the Muslim community. Um, they are welcoming everyone. And that's that's a beautiful thing for our community. And we're just we're so excited for the possibilities. Um, and the motto in Zion is a historic past and dynamic future. Could you tell us a little about this and how the history um, of people's attitudes towards diversity has changed and why it is still important to continue to work together to encourage dialogue between different communities? Sure, yes. Well, 
the city of Zion was founded in 1901, and it was founded by um, um, Mr. Dowie. And Mr. Dowie was a strict evangelist um, and a faith healer, and he unfortunately did not have um, wonderful views on diversity. He really felt that um, everyone needed to follow his mode of Christianity and, in fact, follow him as a leader. And um, many of the streets in the city of Zion have biblical names. Um, so there's, there's that past. But as the years have gone and as the community has grown, we've experienced a wonderful growth of diversity um, and I think that, you know, the, the mosque being built is a reflection of that and of the many different um, religions and languages and nationalities in our district. So while there is this very, um, you know, very strong history in its founding, um, I think that the expansion and the growth and the embracing of diversity in everybody, and again, I go back to that love for all, hatred for none, um, is really exemplified in Zion now. So I love that, um, that you know, it's, it's opened up and um, become a very welcoming town for everyone. Um, and our second caliph, he mentioned that nations cannot be reformed without the reformation of the youth. And today in different parts of the world, members of the youth can be seen raising money for churches and charities and litter picking and blood drives. Um, we hope that that mosque will stand to serve not just our members, but to others as well. And um, why is it important to engage the youth and what initiatives are being conducted um, in your region for this? Oh, sure. Um, yes. Well, you know, the youth, they're our future. And um, so what they do matters so much to all of us. And I love that the women and children of the Amadea community um, raised the majority of funds to have this built. Um, but the youth does so much more. Um, in this community, they, uh, they have food drives and um, basketball games among the youth, embracing everybody in the community so that they can all work together and learn from each other. And they're always doing charitable things in the community. So it's, uh, it's wonderful. I think our young people need to learn um, how to be charitable and how to embrace each other and how to learn from each other um, and learn from people who are not just like themselves. And so they're doing a wonderful job of doing that. And um, it's lovely to watch and it gives me hope for the future. Um, and you mentioned in your speech that women play a large role in the community and indeed in our auxiliary organization we have a women's program and um, and we run our campaigns independently. Um, what has been your experience with the women in the community? Um, we've just had the International Day of the Girl. Why is it so important for women to be empowered and what is being done to promote this in your region? Yeah, um, well, they're incredible and um, some some of the women I'm very, very honored to call my friends and not just neighbors and community members. Um, so they do so much, again, like working 
to ensure that people are taken care of in the community um, and, you know, educate people also about the diversity that's in the community. And I think that there's a misunderstanding um, that women sometimes are, you know, less than or um, second class, and I have not found that to be the case at all. Women in our community take on leadership roles and just do amazing work. And just like, you know, just like throughout the community, um, you know, in the Illinois legislature, we have um, one of the largest uh, groups of women legislators out there representing the, the, um, the whole community and representing, um, you know, women's needs and, and rights. And I think that it's nice to see throughout the community that that's happening. That's really nice. And um, as we mark our 100 years of the centenary of Our Ladies organization, um, ladies across um, our community and the globe are planting trees. Um, in the UK, we've pledged to plant 100k trees as well. Um, if you could elaborate on the work you are also doing to promote a healthier, more sustainable environment and why this is so important. Yeah, and that's amazing. I love that you're doing that. Um, so also in Illinois, last year we passed um, a really historic piece of environmental legislation. And, um, you know, the city of Zion um, is right along the shoreline of one of the Great Lakes here um, in the United States, uh, Lake Michigan. And so that provides drinking water to millions of people in addition to um, recreation opportunities and, you know, being beautiful. So we've done a whole lot to protect um, the Great Lakes, to protect our shorelines, um, and to really incentivize moves to solar energy and wind energy, and to take care of the members of the community who must now be working in an area related to coal or oil or gas, or, you know, in our case, um, we have a decommissioned nuclear power plant. Um, and really provide incentives and free training opportunities to allow them to take on these new careers in clean energy. So I think that, um, you know, being able to not only talk about taking care of our environment, but put in mechanisms to have people working in these fields and being educated um, and understanding the importance of our clean water and our clean air um, is really what we need for the future. So I've been really proud to be a part of that. Wow, that sounds really interesting and amazing. And um, I really hope that um, with the opening of this mosque in our community, that we're able to really help the community of Zion and I hope that there will be more interesting events in the future as well. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an honor and I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. Right, that was uh, Joyce Mason talking to one of her uh, interviewers uh, earlier on, uh, giving her take on this uh, uh, very uh, monumental event about the opening of these, uh, the mosque, harking back to something that took place over 100 years ago. We are also looking forward to speak to Asif Arif. Asif Arif is an attorney admitted to the Paris Bar 
uh, foreign legal consultant for Los Angeles and author of multiple books on Islam and secularism, uh, former director of public affairs and human rights in France. So that's an interview that we're looking forward to uh, in the next few minutes. Uh, Imam Turki, while we're waiting, perhaps your thoughts uh, on this? Yes, uh, I mean, we've looked into the whole um, prophecy uh, and and the prayer duel between the promised Messiah and Dr. Uh, Alexander John Dowry, and it's it's absolutely amazing this uh, uh, how God Almighty He helps uh, His prophets, and uh, as I mentioned, um, that uh, when the promised Messiah peace be upon him, when he had uh, made the prayer duel, the mobile with the with Alexander Dowie, he was uh, of very old age, and uh, you know we find that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, uh, his health also um, wasn't that great. Um, uh, you know, as it was also prophesied regarding uh, the Messiah who would come later on, that he will be covered in two uh, sheets uh, of yellow color and the the interpretation of this uh, of this is that he will have um, he, he will have some uh, physical illness as well uh, so the fact of the matter is that the when the promised messiah peace be upon him uh, when he prayed to god almighty that whoever is the true claimant that uh, god almighty show that who it is um, and that he differentiates who is right and who is wrong. It is said that uh, he he was himself um, at an age where he himself was very weak, whereas Alexander jo- John Dowie, uh, he was a very strong person, um, young person, and uh, as as mentioned by our list, uh, by our experts as well, uh, when he had moved to the city Zion and he had inhabited it. He was a very filthy, rich, rich man. He he had everything in the world, um, and uh, ultimately, uh, after this pr- prayer duel, it was it was uh, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, who triumphed. And within his lifetime, he saw that someone who had reached the peak uh, of of his life, who had attained all the wealth, and he had attained all the um, you can say. Uh, uh, you know he he reached all the fame he he wanted um and at that time you know when when he went to this prayer to ultimately god almighty showed the whole world that uh, he was false and you know his uh, then later on all of his uh, flaws uh, came later on in fact what i want to mention here is the promised messiah peace be upon him he himself he received a revelation from God Almighty regarding this and he published this in his book named Aryas of Qadian and Us. And uh, he writes that almost two weeks before Dawi's death, this, re- this revelation is as follows. Uh, prophecy of a new sign. God says that I will show a new sign which will have glorious victory. It will be a sign for the whole world meaning that it will not only be restricted to India, and it will be God's very personal sign from the heavens. It is mandatory for human beings to stay watchful, for God will show it very soon, so that he, has, so that he may stand witness that this humble person, who all nations 
uh, are bad mouthing is from him blessed are those who may benefit from it so this was uh, this was the uh, revelation that the promised messiah peace be upon him published in uh, on the 20th february 1907 and we know that uh, alexander john dowie he died in the first week of uh, march 1907 um and he died a very painful and miserable death as i mentioned that he himself had uh, paralysis and uh, he's w- he was physically um carried out as a helpless person by a few people from place to place and then because of sadness and depression he lost his mind and his mental faculties could uh, could not function properly and he claimed that he had a long life to live and his claims of becoming younger by the day while others were getting old turned out to be utterly false and fraud uh, so that was ultimately what had happened to alexander john dowie um and i and i would urge uh, our listeners as well who are who are interested in this as well that uh, you can read up more on this and uh, there's a book which has been translated um and it is called fulfillment of a grand prophecy as it amidst challenge to dr alexander john dowie and this was compiled by anwar mahmood khan a uh, very 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 good uh, very good book and it talks about the prophecy in very much in detail um and uh, some of it has been taken from the writings of the promised messiah peace be upon him himself um from his book haqiqatul wahi um so the first summary which has been presented has been taken from that another abstract has been taken from from the writings of the promised messiah peace be upon him and is translated into english and can be available on uh, alislam.org um mm. mafri then anything uh, you wanted to mention on this uh, i mean we are discussing the grand prophecy um uh, between the promised messiah peace be upon him and dr alexander john dowie um I also wanted to get your view on this as well. Um I mean you you've also read up on this. Um uh, what are your thoughts on this? I uh, basically I just want to say that uh, it's a bit of an astonishing thing to realize that a hundred years back when there was no social media and all that the hype it was created for this uh, prayer due first thing second thing is that two people who lived well, uh, you could say on the opposite sides of the you can say globe the earth and they had a duel without even facing each other you could physically so it shows you that even back then there was the communication was good plus the thing is that god almighty always helps his you can say the followers and the prophets as well and he never leaves them alone and the other thing which is very important is that you could say resources and money and all that does help but if you go against the prophet of god then these sort of things is not going to help you a lot and this is what has happened because he had all the resources in the world you could think of but he still failed to you could say uh, win over someone who was religious person and this is show, this shows you that god indeed helps the one he loves and uh, you know as mentioned uh, by uh, respected amjad mahmood that he was mentioning that 
you know, so many newspapers had mentioned this and uh, the exhibition which has been uh, set up uh, next to the Fateh Azim Mosque, it crea- it has the, those uh, old artifacts, those old newspapers that were published at that time. And for the benefit of our listeners, I just wanted to go through some of those uh, cuttings from those newspapers as well um, as to what was mentioned there. Uh, so... Chicago Interpretator on the 28th of July 1903 uh, they write uh, the title uh, Will Dowie Come Forward for This Duel and the newspaper both gave uh, gave so this promised Messiah peace upon him writing and it's a translation from his book and he says that the newspaper gave both of our pictures side by side and wrote that Mirza Saab says Dowie is a liar and I pray that he will be eradicated in my lifetime. And he adds that the way to separate truth from falsehood is to pray to God that who, whoever is a liar, may he die in the lifetime of the truthful. Also, in the Daily Telegraph on the 5th of July 1905, uh, Mirza Ghulam, it says that Mirza Ghulam Ahmed sends a challenge to Dawi that, O person who is claimant of prophethood, Come and, engage, and engages in a mobile with him. Our duel is with prayers. We will both pray to God that whoever is false of the two, two of us may die. Also, in another uh, newspaper uh, from San Francisco on the 1st of December 1902, this was published. It says that the summary of Mirza Saab's letter to Dawi is that you are a leader of a group and I have a following too. Thus, to decide who is from God, and uh, each one of us may pray in his to his own God, and whoever's prayer are accepted would consider from the true God. The prayer will be that from amongst the two. Whoever is a liar may may die earlier. Definitely, this is a prudent and fair suggestion. Also, on the Literary Digest in New York, uh, they published on 20th of June 1903 that it published, the Promise was Rise, that it published my picture and talks in detail about the mobile. Both parties, Dowie and I, pray that the liar may die in the lifetime of the truthful person. Uh, it was also published on New York Mail Express, and uh, it's written on the 28th of June 1903. Title is Prayer Duel, um, and details are given there. Also, it was published in Roaster uh, Herald on the 25th of June 1903. Uh, it was also published on Boston Record, Boston Advertiser, Boston Pilot, uh, Washington Pathfinder, Chicago Inter Ocean, uh, Worcester Spy, Worcester Wor- uh, Demo- Democratic. Uh, Chronicle, Chicago Newspaper, Chicago Inter-Ocean, Albany Press, Baltimore American, uh, Buffalo Times, New York Mail, Boston Record, Desert English, Helena Record, Groomshire Gazette, Newton Chronicle, Houston Chronicle, uh, Richmond News, Glasgow Herald, New York uh, Commercial Advertiser, Morning Telegraph, so the promised Messiah, after mentioning about 30 newspapers, he writes at the end that these are all the new newspapers that we have received. It seems that there were hundreds of newspapers 
where this matter was mentioned so and uh, i remember uh, watching in this week with azur that uh, his holiness uh, mentioned um, dr amjad about this as one well. i i do believe they 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 were they managed to get a hold of a handful of these uh, of these cuttings the originals um but the promise messiah peace be upon him writes that this is just a, a a drop in the ocean there was many other newspapers that had coverage this event as well um so as as the, the as the god almighty had revealed to him uh, in his revelation that uh, this will be spread this message will be spread all over the world and it did uh, as it was revealed to the promised messiah peace be upon him uh, so with that uh, dear listeners uh, we will conclude this um brother will you you wanted to add no add i just wanted to say that you know the the uh, opening of the uh, mosque was covered in many newspapers including the ahmed bulletin of uh, which some of us are involved with and um, you, you're the you're very much involved in this uh, uh, yes, uh, from um, from what i've heard from various resources <laughs> yes i pretend to be um and um, it reports that uh, during uh, his sermon his holiness said and i quote today you have all gathered here i'm just m- making sure that it is from the sermon or maybe it is from the reception but this is a statement from uh, his holiness he said that today you have all gathered here for the inauguration of the mosque in Zion Allah the Almighty has granted the Ahmadi Muslim community USA the opportunity to build this mosque and do so in the city which holds a special significance with regards to the history of the Ahmadi Muslim community due to the historical significance of this city and the fact that a false claimant to prophethood someone who used extremely foul language against the promised messiah peace be upon him who then perished away and uh, given the fact that the amdi muslim community is now established in that very city are all such aspects which should make every amdi muslim grateful to allah the almighty and uh, his holiness had arrived uh, in the united states a very successful tour he had there i think two week two weeks he arrived on monday the 26th of september uh and uh, when he landed in chicago he is said to have directly headed for the fateh azim mosque in zion and upon arrival at the new mosque uh, his honor was greeted by many thousands of uh, members of the community he unveiled a, a plaque there and uh, then proceeded uh, to um uh, look and review the exhibition that was being mentioned by Mr. Amjad Khan in that interview with the Imam Tokir. Um, and he also had uh, an interview with the RNS, uh, so it's a leading uh, uh, outlet, religious news service, uh, RNS stands for. And she asked his oneness about the objectives of his visit to the United States and about why Zion and the prayer deal between the uh, founder of the community and Alexander Dawi was significant um, for uh, Ahmadi Muslims and was... Um, and what was that significance and his holiness said uh, that where the demise of the alexander of alexander whereas uh, the demise of alexander dawi was a great sign in favor of the truth of the founder of the community it also served as a lesson to the world about the need to maintain mutual respect 
between the people of different faiths and beliefs and to show tolerance. He also stated that it was the duty of religious people to make other people realize the value of religion and that it was nothing to be feared. He said that Islam's fundamental objectives were to bring uh, human beings closer to God and to ensure that people fulfill the rights of one another. I just liked the take that Azur mm. took uh, in that particular, uh, in answering that particular question uh, about uh, the need for religious tolerance uh, and uh, mutual respect, which was something that was contrary to what uh, you've already explained was the stand that uh, Alexander Dowey was taking. Um, so a very successful tour Absolutely. Uh, highlighted Absolutely. by that particular um, opening of the of the mosque and the reception that followed. Right. Um, I, I believe Imam Freed also wanted to add, add to I, this. Just one thing I just wanted to mention, I forgot before. Basically, the, the evidence of prayer do is found in the Holy Quran as well. And the exact words of the Holy Quran are Summa Nabdahil. And uh, the gist is that you call upon your family, I'll call upon my family, and then we'll have a prayer duel sort of a thing. And mm. then mm, the, and the best thing is it says in the Holy Quran after the, some words, in the same verse that, then let there be the curse of Allah on the one who lies. Mm. So it's similar to the case of the, uh, the promised Messiah, may peace be upon him, and Alexander Dawi, that both of them basically claimed the same thing. Yeah. And they said that, okay, the, the one who lies will die before the other one. Mm. So there will be a sign that the one who is truthful will prevail. So it says in the Holy Quran, it's not something new. Mm. So it was this this is revealed 1400 years mm. ago, and in the time of Holy Prophet even then it was practiced. So it's not something that was invented by someone right now or so uh, let's say a century ago it's right. established fact and it's part of the holy quran as well Absolutely. very interesting thank you very much um imam Farid, we have the next topic that we need to uh, uh, approach okay um it's about the birth of the holy prophet peace be upon him is that something that you can introduce us to please yep so the birth of the holy prophet Peace be upon him. The commemoration of the birth of the, prom, uh, the Prophet Muhammad is known as Miladun Nabi, and the week in which the Prophet was born is the annual commemorated, annually commemorated as the Islamic Unit w- Unity Week, as was initiated in the year 1979 by the founder of Islamic Revolution, Imam Khomeini, to foster the n- foster and nurture Islamic unity. So I just wanted to add something that this Miladun Nabi, basically the Muslims, they celebrate the birth of the Holy Prophet in the month of Rabiul Awwal, Islamic month. And this is the, you could say, there are two Eids basically in Islam, <coughs> but this is the other, uh, another Eid, Eid the Miladun Nabi, which they call it. And they have an event where they eat something as well and they have speeches on the life of Holy Prophet so basically they celebrate it in this way but as if you look at the life of Holy Prophet he said that I was born on the day of Monday and one reason that I fast on the day of Monday was the way was that I was born on that day so if you look at the life of Holy Prophet we can learn that the way you need to celebrate your birth could be that you should fast 
as far as the Sunnah is concerned. So, Miladun Nabi, fair enough, but the Sunnah says otherwise. And if you continue with the story, it says that this was such that people of his time would come to refer to him as Al-Amin. So he was the one who re- revolutionized the Iran and uh, he enforced Islam and he, you could say, brought, uh, you could say, uh, revolution that people were moved away, people had moved away from Islam and then he brought them back somehow and this is why he was praised. Uh, and if you move on, or one of them who is trustworthy, and all these, all those in the society knew that of his honesty and truth and trustworthiness, so he was a good person. He was also known as a sadiq, the truthful one. Because of these qualities, he was respected by everyone beyond race, color, gender, age, and religion in the city of Mecca. So. This is how this is the you could say how famous Holy Prophet was at his time that he was known as Sadiq and Alameen, which translates to the one who is trustworthy and the one who is truthful. Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, we actually do have a uh, small clip for our listeners as well, and this is from Ahmadiyya 101, um, and uh, it's a really important clips. Uh, that the MTA uh, team have made on various topics and even regarding Eid Miladun Nabi uh, they have also made a small video as well so let's listen to listen to, listen to this and uh, we'll be discussing uh, this after listening to that so let's have a listen Why don't Ahmadis celebrate Eid Miladun Nabi meaning the birthday of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him If you're talking about cutting a cake if you're talking about going out into the streets and having parades, singing, dancing, and all of that stuff, then no, we don't celebrate it in this way. But when it comes to celebrating the life, the achievement, the teachings, the character of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then yes, we certainly, certainly do believe that we do celebrate that. If you look at the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, 40 years was his age when God Almighty commissioned him to be the prophet of the age. After that, 23 years we have a period where he showed with his examples how we are supposed to live our life. Not even once did he call and gather the companions and said, well, today is my birthday, let's celebrate. And it's not just that. He has told us that if you follow my companions follow my Sahaba, then you will be rightly guided because they're like the stars. So if we f- move on after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, again, not a single example where the Khulafa or the companions or the followers who were close to the companions and close to the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where they came together and celebrated in the way that we see Muslims all around the world celebrated today. Secondly, when it comes to celebrations, we do have Jalsa Sirat the Nabis, where we don't celebrate the birthday, but we celebrate the life, the character, the legacy left behind by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. What was his character all about? How should we as Muslims behave? What should we give our children in training, in moral training? What is the importance of prayers? What was the relationship that he had with God Almighty? 
What is it that we can learn from that life? So that's certainly, certainly something that we do celebrate. And it's not just on one day of the year. Throughout the year is a celebration for us by sending durood onto the Holy Prophet. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So that's what celebration is all about. What is it that we can learn? What is it that we can impart to the next generation to come? So yes, we do celebrate the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, by not cutting a cake, by not going out into the streets, but by thinking, reflecting, and implementing the things and the teachings that he left behind for us. So that was a a small clip from the uh, uh, 101 on the topic of Eid Milad al-Nabi and uh, what what does the um, the Muslim community say on this particular topic and uh, very very beautifully said uh, by uh, Imam Raza. Um, So on this topic uh, we see that uh, within Islam it discourages uh, Innovation, so something which we don't see at the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, and uh, certain Muslims or sects practice that uh, they are called innovations, and Islam is strictly ag- against that. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself says that you should follow my Sunnah, um, and you should fo- you should do exactly as I have mentioned. So we don't see that at the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that. He decided that well, it's uh, you know it's his birthday and he should celebrate it, and then he gathered all the companions at that time. We don't see that, and nor do we see even after the demise of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that the companions uh, decided that well, let's let's celebrate the the uh, birth date of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. So th- this itself uh, are innovations within Islam and. And uh, as explained by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him himself, uh, they are discouraged. And another aspect in this video which was highlighted is that uh, throughout the year, uh, within the Amdiya Muslim community, we have the Sirat al-Nabi Jalsa. And uh, so we have various conventions or various gatherings where we look at the life and character of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So looking at how his relationship was with God Almighty um, and how he had reached those excellences, those heights, and similarly how he was uh, you know, towards his creation. So this is something which we look at and this is something which we should be adopting within our lives uh, as how we can be a true Muslim, how we can inculcate on these particular teachings and adopt in our lives and that is the best way to remember the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that you send salutations on the Holy Prophet peace be upon him but you also look at his character of how beautiful of a person he was and how uh, how he truly was the Khatam al-Nabi and the, the seal of all prophets um, uh, and, and you know looking at his character uh, I think this is a great moment to look at the life and character of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, on how much emphasis he gave towards building a connection towards God Almighty. I mean, uh, he himself at one place says regarding prayers that, uh, you know, you should uh, pray uh, five times a day and the it should be as if, uh, you know, you are taking a bath 
five times a day in a stream. And uh, just like there is no dirt left on our physical bodies after, you know, we we are taking five times, taking a bath five times a day. Similarly, that is the effect uh, this has on our spiritual body as well when we pray to God Almighty. And within this narration, it highlights the importance of uh, of looking after our spirituality. And similarly, we see that throughout the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he gave rights to to all the different tribes. He, he didn't just respect only the Muslims, but we see that in his life, he had so much love even for for Jews, for Christians, for various other sects. Uh, I mean, is it is very famously narrati- narrated that once uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sitting down along with his companion, and uh, there w- there was a funeral which had passed uh, next to him, and he immediately stood up, and the companion who was sitting right next to him. He inquired from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that this is a funeral of a Jewish person and not a Muslim person. So, O Prophet, why why do you stand? And to this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that, well, is is this person, is, is he not a person? Is he not a human being? Um, and through his example, he showed how to love people of all races, of all nations. And this is this is the character we should all adopt. Uh, you know, especially in the society we live nowadays, where we see that even within the UK, you know, racism uh, has reached a a all high. Uh, you know, we find various examples even within football. Um, you know, racism exists, and if we truly follow the teachings of Islam and uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, regarding whom it says that Kana Quran, that he was an embodiment of the Holy Quran. So whatever uh, God Almighty had uh, mentioned in the in the in the Holy Holy Quran, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was an embodiment of that. So if we truly follow that example, then that is the best way to remember the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, not by cutting a cake or getting together and celebrating someone's birthday but rather looking at a person's character and and what his accomplishment in his in his life Manfred, you you want to add anything anything on this uh, yeah basically uh, holy prophet once said on an occasion that alaykum bi sunnati so which translates to it's a comment upon you to look at my sunnah i've just mentioned earlier that he would used to fast on mondays because mm. he was born on monday so this is one way of looking at it and the other thing which I had in my mind is that the as you mentioned that uh, regarding the things which I innovated in Islam so if we see the life of the companions even after the Holy Prophet and the Caliphs none of them have celebrated the way it is celebrated now or the birth of you could say Holy Prophet so this is uh, you could say uh, not the Sunnah of his caliphs or himself Holy Prophet and the other thing which I would mention over here is that um, we also fast on Mondays and Thursdays and we do follow the Sunnah so this is what I think we should do mm. Absolutely Hazrat mm. Saad bin Abi Waqas he relates that uh, they were returning to Medina and from Mecca when he reached a place called Azwara, 
And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he dismounted and he raised his hands and prayed for a while and then went into prostration. He stayed in prostration for a long time. He then stood up and raised his hands in prayer and went into prostration again. He did this three times and told us that I pray for my Ummah, uh, for my people. God gave me permission to intercede on behalf of one third of my Ummah. I prostrated in gratitude when I prayed again. God granted me permission of intercession for another third of my Ummah. I prostrated in gratitude. Then I raised my head and prayed again. And God gave me permission for intercession on behalf of of uh, the remaining third of my Ummah. I prostrated to offer gratitude. So it says that it is as if uh, remembrance of Allah was the substance of the substance of his heart as body depends on breathing and the circulation of blood his soul dependent on the remembrance of Allah for sustenance and only a few moments of his day uh, were free from it in view of God's greatness and respect for him he used to refrain from it when answering the call of nature that is why he would say that Ghufranaka that O Allah I seek forgiveness after coming out of lavatory. The secret of this prayer is that he had stopped stopped remembering Allah during this time and sought his forgiveness for this lapse. So the, these are just uh, some incidents from the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, on his beautiful character. And I remember uh, just recently I was reading um reading a narration of the holy prophet peace be upon him um from the writings of the of the promised messiah peace be upon him uh, malfuzat in on the first volume and the promised messiah peace be upon him in one in one, uh, at one place he writes an example of the holy prophet peace be upon him and he narrates a incident and he said that one once the holy prophet peace be upon him he was lying on a tree, uh, just under under the shade of the tree, and he was resting, um, and he was he was alone by himself. And at that time, a a a an, an Arab person came, uh, who was not Muslim, and he came with the sword, and he put it right in front of the neck of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Um, and uh, you know the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, upon realizing that uh, this man is right in front of me the man says to the holy prophet peace be upon him that who will save you now and in response to this uh, the holy prophet peace be upon him in a very relaxed manner and uh, putting his full trust in god almighty he replies that allah that allah me god almighty will save me from this and it is narrated that the man who had the sword in his hand he started trembling and he dropped his sword there and then and then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he got up, he picked the sword and he put the sword to his neck. And then he said to him that, who will save you now? And uh, it is narrated that this affected this person so much that ultimately later on he accepted Islam. So from these narrations, we find how much fully full trust that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had in his life. Um and it is these uh, examples that we find in his life that you know we, we should try to we to, we should try to uh, adopt 
we should try to adopt these uh, these habits uh, within within our lives, and that is, that is the best way to remember that character of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And another incident which I can remember is that when the Holy Prophet Sallam migrated to Medina from Mecca, he r- stayed in the in a cave for three days, and the Meccans, the disbelievers, they were following him. Now, as far as the trust in Allah and the prayers are concerned, the he was accompanied by his companion, uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was afraid that they might just enter the cave because the cave is shallow it's not a deep cave so even if they just bent down a bit they could see the two of us inside and because they were standing right on the mouth of the cave and at that point someone would say get trembled with fear that okay my killers mm. are just you could say a few meters away from me and if this are able to get us even a, a flint they will attack me if they realize that I'm there and even a hint of it now Holy Prophet with all his trust in Allah he said and it's quoted in the Holy Quran as well that that fear not indeed God is with us so even though his companion he was um, he thought that we are going to be caught ultimately and he was fearing that he might have to defend the Holy Prophet on the other hand was cool and calm and he immediately replied that don't worry indeed God is with us and we are certainly sure that God was with them because they were unharmed and for some reason the attackers they came and they realized that okay for some uh, circumstances were like that they realized that okay if someone had entered this and this should have happened so there were branches of trees uh, of tree covering it from from the mouth of the cave and they assumed that someone should have broken them if if he had to enter this cave so they left so this is another incident where he had full trust in Allah Allah where a normal person would might just tremble with fear but he he was he had full trust in Allah absolutely um, i mean you mentioned that uh, looking at a normal scenario that if it's a normal person in these sort of situations they they would tremble and uh, they would not be able to uh withstand such fear at that in these occasions but we see that in the uh, in the life of the holy prophet peace be upon him that he had full trust and full conviction in god almighty even when he was in mecca and uh, there was only a few followers at that time um and the meccans at that time they were very fierce in their persecution against the muslims uh not just his companions but also to the holy prophet peace be upon him um once it is narrated that uh, the holy prophet peace be upon him he would usually walk past a walk past by a particular route and an old woman she would on a daily basis throw garbage and rubbish at the holy prophet peace be upon him and she did this on a on a regular basis until it is narrated that uh once when the holy prophet peace be upon him was passing by that similar route um she was not there she was not there to throw garbage or rubbish at the holy prophet peace be upon him and the holy prophet peace be upon him he was very uh, he was uh, uh, alarmed or amazed as to what has happened and he inquired that where is the woman uh, you know why why is she not there as she usually is and uh, he found out that she is not well she is sick and 
the Holy Prophet went to visit her and uh, as, as it is mentioned within Islam that it, if someone is ill or is not well then it is your duty um, that you should visit that friend but uh, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him look at example that not only uh, he himself through his example visited a friend but even uh, those that were his enemies he had visited them and cared for them um, and this incident itself moved the lady so much that she had accepted Islam so this is that beautiful character of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him um, that uh, we should all remember uh, rather than uh, just merely looking at a one particular day we should celebrate and look at the life of the character of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him through throughout throughout the year through every every single day um, right so <laughs> with with that we hope that uh, you know you have um, you know the, the the material we've presented or some of the narrations we've presented has uh, has been sufficient for our listeners and we do hope that you have enjoyed the show today over to you brother yes uh, I was just going to say I mean I think it's very right that you're mentioning this aspect of innovations and the uh, evil of innovations because it leads to certain absurdities I don't know whether you've uh, observed uh, the way that uh, certain um, celebrations are conducted where a cake is actually mm. brought mm. and uh, the gathering says oh the holy prophet has arrived the holy prophet has arrived and uh, the the cake is is cut so again it's a form of um, it's uh, very close uh, to shirk mm. associating partners with god when the, this kind of um, uh, behavior is is being uh, being experienced and it is in this way that uh, celebration is being conducted and uh, it um, also uh, flies in the face of the concern of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him about uh, association uh, with uh, God Almighty of other deities or other uh, individuals who raised the Prophet and he was very concerned about uh, people turning uh, his grave as uh, a place or as an object of worship um, and uh, so when uh, this kind of thing is uh, indulged in then other innovations like praying at the graves of saints um, also uh, then evolve and is something that needs to be uh, rejected and the best way we can celebrate the um, uh, birthday of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him is uh, trying to emulate his qualities uh, in ourselves and uh, this is something that uh, the Quran has also encouraged us to do when it says that uh, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was an exemplar for us um, so that was one thing and the other thing uh, that I also picked up on what Imam Farid was saying is about um, the fearlessness of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him his fearlessness uh, was rooted in his um, uh, absolute uh, conviction in uh, in Allah mm. and um, when we look into history and look at his biographies um, during this migration that Imam Farid was mentioning um, when he retook refuge in the uh, cave Thor mm. um, um, the other incident that also took place which would have evoked fear in any other person was when <coughs> he was being chased by Suraka bin Malik uh, who was uh, hoping to win 
and the uh, bounty that was put on uh, both uh, these uh, migrants uh, of, I think, 100 camels or 200 camels. Uh, and Suraka himself relates that when he was chasing this group of four people, uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was not, was not at all bothered. He, was, he kept on looking ahead, whereas the man next to him, probably Hazrat Abu Bakr, kept on looking behind Hazrat him. Yes, fearing that they may be caught up by this, by this person. So that aspect that uh, Imam Farid was mentioning was very, very much uh, uh, something that um, was certainly there um, in the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that uh, he was totally at ease and at peace because of his, um, of his uh, conviction in uh, God Almighty. And that is something that we should um, uh, try and emulate, and that's the way that we should try and celebrate this particular uh, about Milad al-Nabi or uh, the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So that's what I wanted to add. Yes. And another thing which, well, if you're discussing the migration to Mecca, we should rather add another point, from Medina rather, so we should add another point which when the Holy Prophet left his house for Medina that night, the attackers had gathered around his house and they surrounded that house. Now the Holy Prophet he asked one of his companions to lie down on his bed and he moved out of his house. Now, at that point, the attackers, they thought that he is the companion and not the prophet himself, and they moved away, and they hid themselves so that no one could see them, and Holy Prophet easily moved out of his house, and when, in the morning, when they, you can say, jumped in, and they only realized that, oh, there is a companion on his bed and not Holy Prophet himself. So, when it shows you that Allah Ta'ala indeed helps his you could say beloved and his prophets, mm. and we could say three times in just one ins. We could say one incident alone that Allah Taala helped him. First up, when he, you can say, moved out of his house. Secondly, when he was in the cave, and thirdly, when he was chased by an attacker. So, in this, in a space of you could say a few days, his life was on the line for three times, and Allah Taala saved him. The God Almighty saved him on all three occasions and and uh, the holy the god almighty mentions this in the holy quran that he helps his chosen people where he says that Allahu la aghlibana ana wa rusuli that uh, he has ordained that surely uh, he will prevail and his prophets so here it shows that uh, god almighty he shows a special soccer and help uh, for his chosen prophets all right, thank you very much. It's a fascinating subject. We can uh, keep on talking about the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, we don't have uh, much time left now for this particular program. Um, the 9 o'clock uh, news beckons. It leaves us just to thank uh, those people who are involved in the production, producer Malia Abdullah, to thank uh, her and her researchers, Sayyida, Hannah Saud, Salia Bakhtiar, and Neha. Thanks also due to Muhammad Shafiq our technician be bringing around in the uh, uh, in the tech room to make sure that everything ran smoothly um, and thank you to all our listeners for joining us to join us again from uh, 7 to 9 o'clock Monday to Friday for the breakfast show here in a few seconds will be news Assalamu alaikum <laughs>